the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Alex Yates. I'm, I'm a member at Belmont, and today it's my privilege, God willing, to help us through the next part of, uh, of John's Gospel in our series of talks called uh, Come and See. Each week, we take a look at a passage from the Bible and try and understand it to, together and apply it to our lives. Last week, Saz talked about uh, John chapter 6, verses 1 to 24, uh, the miracles of uh, feeding the 5,000 and walking on water. Um, today, we're in the rest of chapter 6, verses 25 to 71, um, it's, it's a big passage, so we're not going to read it all now, but I encourage you to do that later if, if you haven't before. We also have an opportunity to study it together in, in home group. Um, it does include some confusing, controversial, uh, even offensive bits. Um, you might be shocked today uh, by what Jesus says. Um, and we, we don't want to skip over those bits, uh, but we do have limited time now, so... If by the end uh, we haven't answered many questions uh, that you have, please dig deeper into John 6. It's, it's worth it. It's an incredibly rich text. Right. Who's heard of this phrase? Cancel culture. Probably most of you have heard it a lot in recent years. Um, it's a phrase that's been used in the last few years referring to a culture in which uh, when a famous person is deemed to have said something uh, offensive or unacceptable, uh, they're not just held to account, they're ostracised, they're boycotted, they lose loads of their Twitter followers, their brand deals, even their career. Everything about them can get cancelled. Uh, and cancel culture itself is, is something people hold strong views about. Um, Recently in the news, we've had this debate about something Jeremy Clarkson said that was offensive and his TV show is potentially being cancelled as a result. I actually heard an offensive joke on Friday. It was, uh, being a Christian is like yodelling. You can practice it all you like, but deep down, you know it sounds ridiculous. That joke's obviously offensive to yodelers. Uh, we, we Christians, we know we sound ridiculous. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.10, we are fools for Christ. But apologies to any yodelers. I'm looking at Pete Vanderford for some reason. <laughs> please, please don't cancel me. Um, people today can seem very successful. Uh, they say something offensive and they lose millions of social media followers. We see something similar today in our passage. At the start, Jesus has tons of physical followers. Uh, there's a crowd of 5,000 men, plus women and children. And he had many disciples. At the end of our passage, he loses pretty much all of them. So what happened? What did Jesus say? Uh, um, why did he say it? Um, what happened that meant he was apparently cancelled. Uh, let's get stuck in. I'll put the, most of the verses on the screen, um, but today might be a particularly good day uh, if you've got the Bible on your phone or a physical copy to have that open as well. We'll first consider verses 25 to 35. Um, remember last week, 
Uh, Jesus is on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, where he feeds the 5,000. At night, the disciples head across the sea to Capernaum. Uh, The sea is rough, but Jesus walks on water to meet them on the boat. Uh, The next day, the crowd realize he's gone, so they get into boats and head to Capernaum, where they find uh, Jesus. And Jesus says to the crowd, verse 26, Very truly I tell you, you are not looking for me, uh, sorry, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. They ate the bread and fish, gave it five stars, uh, but they didn't understand what it meant. Now they're hungry again. Uh, They're not really interested in Jesus. uh, They're interested in the food. Jesus says, verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, uh, which the Son of Man will give you. They're like, great, give us that. Verse 28, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. This uh, just kind of goes over their heads. They say, Moses gave us manna every day. What will you do? Uh, Jesus tries to teach them, saying, verse 32, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. But the crowd are still thinking with their stomachs. They say, Sir, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. A few things to uh, draw out from this section before we move to the the really tough stuff. Um, Jesus maybe seems a bit blunt here, uh, but these miracles, sorry, but these people were fixated on the miracle, the bread and fish, not the miracle worker, Jesus. As, as we read this, we shouldn't be too hard on them because hunger was much more of an issue for them than for most of us today. Most of us will have never felt real hunger. Sadly, hunger is still a problem um, for some in our society, but for many of these people, much of their life revolved around trying to have enough food to live or fearing they could lose the provision they had. So they're fixated on the miracle food. Jesus says in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils like the bread and fish, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Do not work for food that spoils. Jesus sadly isn't uh, telling us to quit our jobs. Uh, We know from elsewhere in the New Testament, work is commended. It is fine to, to work, to earn money, to feed your family. But that shouldn't be our primary focus. That's not the main thing we should live for. There's something better than bread or any earthly idol like money or possessions. It's the bread of life that we should work for, that we should live for. So what is the work of God we need to do to obtain the bread of life? Really simple. No works needed. Just believe. Verse 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. Believing means seeing Jesus as the bread of life that he is and eating. That's all we need to do. Here's a challenge. Uh, Which do you think summarizes your life better? Working for food that spoils or believing in the one God sent? What does your life display most? 
What's the main thing you're living for? It's a difficult one. Um, I, I work in insurance and, and I've had a, a busy week. Uh, I find it, found it really helpful this week when my mind's been almost overwhelmed by work to remind myself, do not work for food that spoils. That's really helped me keep things in perspective. Many of us still you know, need to go to work tomorrow, but not with our minds dominated by perishable things like food, money, or possessions, but instead with our minds treasuring Jesus as all we need. Not focused on our next food shop, our next holiday, our retirement, but on an eternal feast with Jesus, an everlasting vacation with our Saviour, an eternal retirement spent with God's Son whom we love, in which there will be no hunger, no sickness, no frailty, forever. The feeding of the 5,000 was a sign pointing to something so much better than the perishable, the plain old bread the, crown, the crowd were fixated on. It pointed to Jesus as the bread of life himself that brings everlasting life. But the people there, they didn't get it. They didn't believe. And it looks like a failure for Jesus. He's offering them the gift of eternal life and they don't receive it. They don't believe, they don't eat. It looks like the devil's winning. But the saving purposes of God had not failed, and we see why in the next part of our passage. Um, this next part uh, is very challenging to unpack. And, you know, apologies if you're uh, visiting for the first time here. This was offensive to people that heard it, and I'm conscious that for some of you, you know, if you're on the fence about Jesus, this might put you off. Uh, though I've been praying it doesn't. Uh, so I want to try and handle this carefully whilst honestly acknowledging what it says. So from verse 36, uh, Jesus says, But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. The Jews uh, now begin to grumble. Verse 41, this is jo uh, Joseph's son. How can he be from heaven? Um, Jesus tells them to stop grumbling. Uh, and verse 44 says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 47, he says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna, oh, sorry, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews now really lose their cool. They argue sharply, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. This is scandalous. This is deeply offensive to his listeners. And he's saying it in the synagogue. So what does he mean, and why does he say this? Well, well, what it means is absolutely huge, and we can barely scratch the surface today, but I want to try and at least give you a flavour of, of what's going on. Firstly, he's saying uh, God's saving purposes has not fa- have not failed. And secondly, union with Jesus is essential for salvation. So firstly, here are four quick yet earth-shattering reasons why God's saving purposes have not failed in John 6, even though no one seems to be accepting Jesus. Firstly, God the Father gives believers to Jesus. Verse 37, all those, that come, sorry, all those the Father gives me will come to me. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Verse 65, which which we didn't read, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. That might make your head spin, uh, but just, just roll with it for now. Secondly, Jesus will keep all those the Father gives him. Verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Verse 39, I shall lose none of all those he has given me. Are you still with me? God the Father is the one who gives people to Jesus, and Jesus is the one who keeps people. He holds them tight and never lets them go. But that's not all Jesus does. Thirdly, um, they will have eternal life, and Jesus will raise them from the dead. That's what it says. Uh, Verse 39, I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Fourth reason why God's saving purposes have not failed in John 6. This is all backed by the strongest force in the universe. This is the will of of God. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. There is nothing stronger, nothing more certain in the cosmos than the will of of God. Now, briefly, what can we take from these, these four massive truths from Jesus? Um, where do we start? Uh, well, firstly, thankfulness and humility. We really contribute very little to our own salvation. All we do is make that genuine decision to believe and trust in Jesus, to eat the bread of life. But before that, God the Father's been drawing us to Jesus. And after that, Jesus will never let us go. And we haven't even talked about the the role of the Spirit. Verse 63, the Spirit gives life. 
I'm so thankful that God gave me to Jesus. I would be utterly lost if he didn't. I'm so thankful that Jesus keeps me forever. When I get to heaven, I can't take any credit for getting there. All the glory goes to God. Secondly, this should give us assurance, massive assurance. Me staying saved doesn't depend on me. I don't need to worry. That doesn't mean I can go off and sin as much as I want. I'm still called to work out my salvation in obedience to God. But if I mess up, Jesus promises to never drive me away. This gives us assurance of our own salvation, but also assurance of the success of God's mission. If church attendance plummets, if no one I know becomes a Christian, if it looks like resistance to Jesus is winning in this world or in your life, is God's mission failing? No, the will of God will be fulfilled. Thirdly, these truths should give us hope. Hope that those we care about who seem so far from Jesus, God can draw them to Jesus. He can draw anyone. No one is beyond saving. Nothing is too hard for God. So keep praying for them. This is big stuff Jesus is saying. Uh, Controversial stuff. Uh, Maybe at this point, Peter says to Jesus, you you can probably wrap it up now. Um, But instead, Jesus goes on and says something even more controversial, um, which I would summarize as union with Jesus is essential for salvation. Verse 53, uh, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. This was offensive on a few levels. Um, Eating meat with blood in was forbidden for Jews. Uh, So even talking about drinking blood uh, and eating flesh of a human, no less, would have been unacceptable. Um, They didn't know this was foreshadowing his sacrificial death on the cross to save us. When we hear this, we think about the the Lord's Supper. Uh, When we take the bread and the wine into ourselves, that that shows our close union with Jesus. When we believe, we figuratively feed on Jesus. His life goes into us and our life goes into him. He's part of us and we're part of him. And his life in us is eternal. That union with Jesus is essential, not just in the future, but now. Jesus says, if you want eternal life, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's offensive enough. But he goes on to say something even worse. If you don't unite to Jesus, you don't just miss out on eternal life. Jesus says, you're dead now. You're a corpse There is no life in you. Verse 53, very truly I tell you, this is a really important truth from Jesus. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This isn't just some optional gift that we can afford to ignore. Apart from the life Jesus offers, we are dead. 
I'm sorry if that shocks you. Um, I'm really sorry if you're just visiting today and, and, and you come and you weren't expecting to hear this in church. But that's how serious this is. That's what Jesus said. And the result is Jesus is cancelled. He's cancelled. Everyone leaves. Verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? All his so-called disciples turned back and stopped following him, except the 12. And, And that's pretty much the end of our passage. But I've got one more thing to mention. Verse 67, Jesus is cancelled. Everyone's gone except the 12. And Jesus asked them, you don't want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Maybe they thought about leaving. Maybe you think about that too. Uh, Maybe they talked about it. But who else could they go to? Maybe sometimes Jesus' words confuse us. Maybe they sound ridiculous to you. Maybe they raise problematic questions and we don't have all the answers. Maybe sometimes Jesus' words offend us. But who else can we follow? There is no one like Jesus. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter doesn't know all the answers, but he's seen enough of Jesus. I'm going to invite uh, the band back up now. Uh, Johnny's going to help us respond in a moment. Just before we do that, if you're not there yet, you know God's been drawing you. He's drawn you here today, but you haven't made that decision to eat, to believe. Please do that right now as we sing the words of these songs and Jesus promises to hold on to you safely forever. If this is all new to you, then please find out more. Come along to the Alpha Course on Tuesday evenings. We don't literally eat the flesh and blood of Jesus. Uh, It's figurative. We are to get our soul's nourishment from Jesus, to trust Jesus, to receive his gift of eternal life. Don't be like the thousands who turn their backs on Jesus. Be like Simon Peter, who said to Jesus, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm not following anyone else But you, do not work for food that spoils. Believe in the one God sent. Believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take and eat the bread of life. Amen.